speaker tonight. Uh, we are so glad that you are here. I just want to take a few seconds before we open up in prayer and start into it tonight to just introduce myself because I don't take for granted that, ev- or I, yes, I don't take for granted that everybody knows who I am uh, because in the last month our church has grown about 1,200 people. Uh, so a lot of people, you know, see me around campus and go, who's that guy? So uh, I just want to introduce myself. My name is Jeff Royce. I am a teaching pastor here at Cornerstone. Uh, just a little uh, advertisement, shamelessly. Uh, you can pick these cards up at any info booth around the church. These are the five or six Bible studies, depending on what week we're in, that I do here at Cornerstone every week. Uh, I teach about every different group imaginable, from singles to an elective study to the mine, women's Bible study, yada, 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 married group. Uh, and if you're interested in the mine, uh, we have some cards at all the info tables. That's the in-depth Bible study that I do on Tuesday night. And some of you may say, well, I haven't been to it yet, and it's almost over uh, until we take a break for the summer. That's okay. I tell people, you can come to the very last one, because each week stands on its own. So it's not like you had to be there the week before or whatever. So we've got three more left before we take a break for summer, and I'd love to have you come. That way you could check it out and say, yeah, this is something I'd like to start back up when they start up in August, and it would give you a taste for it. So we tell people, like, if they're coming to Cornerstone, they say, well, I love Sundays. I get a lot out of Sundays, but I want an adult midweek Bible study. What, what should I go to? The mind would be a good choice. Love to have you. I think you'll be encouraged. All right. Um, here's what I want to start with before I even open in prayer. Uh, I'm assuming, okay, and maybe I know I shouldn't do that, but I'm assuming that you're here because you've had some contact or knowledge about the secret. Uh, because if you're coming in here going, I don't even know what the secret is, you know, a lot of this obviously probably isn't going to make much sense. Because I'm just assuming that you have some kind of a foundational knowledge of the secret. Uh, as I go through a little bit of my presentation before I open it up for questions or comments or whatever, um, I'm referring to the film or the DVD, but I have read both the book and the DVD. I've spent probably the last two or three months doing the research for this class today and uh, just trying to get as much information as I possibly can to give you. Uh, I will also say this. I am not here today to say that everything in the secret is bad or wrong or whatever. Uh, But what I am here to say is this. I think that the secret needs to be carefully looked at and with a critical eye, just like anything, uh, God asks us to look critically at the claims of, you know, anybody. Uh, And I think one of the things that I struggle with as a pastor is that there are a lot of people who look at the Christian faith very skeptically. And they have a lot of problems swallowing the Christian faith and the claims of Christ, but they have no problem just hook, line, and sinker swallowing other things out there. And my whole thing is, just be consistent. If you're going to be skeptical about the Christian faith and the claims of Christ and all that, I get that, because I was too. The reason I became a Christian is because I actually tried to disprove Christianity. I tried to disprove the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and through my own personal research... I came to believe that that was the best explanation. So I just tell people, just be fair. If you're going to be skeptical about one thing, be consistent and be a little skeptical and look at everything through a critical eye and and do some research about it. 
And so that's what we're doing here. I'm just simply saying that there are some good things about this secret, but I think there are some things that can really be dangerous about this secret and that we need to be careful of. I think that there's a little unbalance there. And just want to throw those things out for you or somebody that you know who's into it to maybe consider. Um, and so that's sort of where we're going this afternoon. And we'll see where it goes. Let me also say this. I'm not going to use a lot of Bible. Because when I like enter into debates with people and stuff, I try to enter in on the ground that they, I know they give me. And I realize that a lot of the people that I talk to The Secret about obviously aren't Christian. They don't accept the authority of the Bible or anything. So I'm trying to talk to them, and just like I'm talking to you, more on a logical, philosophical, scientific ground tonight. And it's not that I won't bring in some Bible to it, but I see enough things that I have problems with with the secret without even bringing the Bible into the argument, if you will. And so we're going to be talking about that tonight as well. So hopefully, when you leave here tonight, you're going to say, yeah, that was worth me taking an hour of my time to go and sit in on that class because that's what we want it to be about tonight and we're glad all of you are here. Let's open up with a word of prayer and I'll dive right into it tonight. Lord, we thank you so much again for the time that we have to just spend here tonight uh, talking about this very important topic because Father, we have come to acknowledge that the secret really is a phenomenon that is sweeping the world and that there are many people, Lord, who are uh, being influenced in a very heavy way by the teachings uh, and claims of the secret. Lord, just help us to try to sift out uh, stuff. And Lord, uh, just help us to have a discernment and a wisdom as we approach anything, whether it be the secret or other stuff, Lord, that we hear that are, is thrown out there as well. And Lord, uh, just give us wisdom, we pray. We know that your word asks or tells us that if we lack wisdom, to ask you for it and you'll give it to us. And so, Lord, we just... We just uh, want your wisdom tonight, Lord, and we want your spirit, and we want to keep a good spirit in here tonight as well. And uh, Lord, just help us, um, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I just want to take a few moments to just sort of lay some groundwork of some things that I saw, and then I'm going to stop for a few moments and entertain any questions or comments or whatever, and then move through a little bit extra part of the presentation tonight. Uh, first of all, the film presents the universal law of attraction as its central secret. Imagine what you want to be, be positive in your thinking about what you want, and engage your mind and emotions when envisioning it, and the universe will manifest itself for you. Now, the movie, the DVD, and the book all make certain claims that I have a problem with, only because they never prove these claims. First claim. The movie claims that famous people knew the secret, including Einstein, Plato, Newton, and Edison. In fact, uh, one gentleman reminded me this morning in this morning's class, because he's a Ph.D. in music, that Beethoven is also supposedly another one from the past that knew the secret, which he had a problem with why they picked Beethoven over any other musician. However, the movie offers no proof that any of these people knew of, agreed with, or used the law of attraction. So again, they're making this claim but there's never any proof that these people ever knew about it, and they never offer any proof that these people ever knew about it. Also, the movie claims that the law of attraction has been kept a secret down through history. The most powerful people in society and business have long known of this law and worked to keep it from the rest of us. Scenes are shown even of people being persecuted for trying to steal the secret and bring it to the rest of us. 
But again, if you study this and do some research on it, there's no proof of this, and they offer no proof of this anywhere in their writings or whatever, uh, even on their website. Uh, went on there. In fact, you can't get too far on their website without having to use your credit card to pay for something to learn a little bit more. And I will say this, it's very interesting to me that the people that you are to talk, you're talking to uh, in this organization, they call themselves genies. And I actually talked to a genie. Uh, that sort of gives you an idea, too, I think, of what, they're, what picture they're trying to paint. So if you get on the secret website and you want to talk to somebody at their headquarters about the secret, you get to talk to a genie. Um, number three, the movie talks about electromagnetic waves or vibrations as the explanation for the law of attraction. The movie claims that since thoughts are electromagnetic waves, every thought we have spreads to and affects our surroundings, and this is why our thinking affects the universe. Now, while our thoughts are at least in part electromagnetic waves, there is no scientific evidence that our brain waves can alter the world around us. Okay? So again, they're making this claim, but they don't offer any scientific proof. Then, and after I talked to a couple of quantum physicians, uh, some naval engineers who have PhDs in quantum physics, they actually gave me this next line. The movie uses what we'll call quantum gibberish. It offers explanations from quantum physics as evidence why the law of attraction works. Now, obviously, I'm not an expert in quantum physics, so I talked to some folks who were. And here was their thinking. After watching the movie, the explanations in the movie hijack the terminology of modern science without understanding the underlying concepts or employing the intellectual rigor intrinsic to scientific inquiry. All right? So you watch the DVD and they talk about quantum physics and this and that, and you're like, wow, it sounds really like, but again, they offer no proof that this thing can actually take place. The movie claims that the universe will provide, almost as if the universe is a big vending machine. Insert sincere wish here, pull out cold Coke or shiny Ferrari here. Um, that, to me, seems to be a very mechanical, shallow, self-serving description of the universe. The secret pushes your attitude matters across the metaphysical divide into the realm of inanimate objects. It says literally you can envision your way into having an empty parking space waiting for you on the street. You can envision and win the lottery. A child can get a bicycle if he envisions it strongly enough. It suggests starting small. Make it your intention to attract a cup of coffee. Hey, Jeff, I was walking down the street envisioning a cup of coffee and darned if a Starbucks didn't show up. Miracle. Well, first of all, there's a Starbucks on every corner, so that's not really a miracle, okay? That's a whole other questions class of why there's so many Starbucks in the world, but we're not going to cover that today. The secret says, ask the universe, believe it's yours, receive it. If it's money you need, you'll get it. It literally moves into the reality, and that, by law, it can work every time for every person. You will get what you want. Now, again, let me say to some degree, I agree with the secret as far as the premise of positive thinking. Uh, we should be positive. The Bible talks about that. I agree with the thing that we should map out plans for things and we should have goals and objectives and all of that. But I think you're going to see where I'm coming from, that the secret goes way beyond that and goes into a realm that I think can be pretty dangerous. Uh, I do believe that the Bible teaches us that we need to watch how we think. But changing our thinking changes nothing out there. 
in the vast universe surrounding us. You and I don't have that power. Changing our thinking changes us. It doesn't necessarily change our circumstances, but it changes us in order to help us navigate our circumstances. That's why the Bible says it's important to think properly, but not necessarily to control you or to, to bring things into my life or whatever like that. In fact, winning the lottery is one of the visuals in the secret. And I believe now from an, uh, well, you know what? I got ahead of myself. Let me go back to the logic problem that I have with it. Um, at various places in the video, you will hear all four possible logical forms of this statement, which forms what in logic or philosophy is called a closed system. And the reason you and I have to be careful of closed systems is all cults are closed systems. I deprogrammed people out of cults for 12 years. And um, you have to be very careful about a system that no matter how you turn it, there, there's sort of no way out. Let me share with you those four things that I saw in the book and in the DVD of how it forms a closed system. First of all, if you envision it, the DVD says, it will happen. That is called in logic an original conditional statement. If you envision it, it will happen. But the video also goes on to state, if it didn't happen, you didn't envision it, which is called a contrapositive logical statement. Then the video goes on to say, if it happened, then you envisioned it, which is a converse logical statement. And then they end up by saying, if you didn't envision it, then it didn't happen, which is an inverse logical statement. That's what forms a closed system. You can't, you can't do anything with it. It is what it is, and it can't be questioned. It, it can't be, you know, it's just, it is what it is. If you envisioned it, it happened. If, you did, if it didn't happen, you didn't envision it. If it happened, then you envisioned it. And if you didn't envision it, then it didn't happen. That's called a closed system in logic. So, you know, there, I have some problems with that whole deal. But then, getting to the economic part of it. Uh, if you study economics, economics is about not only redistributing finances, it's about adding value. Well, winning the lottery, one of the visuals in The Secret is pure zero-sum materialism, as far as I'm concerned. Because suppose The Secret were true, and I envisioned so well that I won a $10 million lottery. The result is a whole lot of income distribution, to me, but no new value created. Not much of an economic program. Now, suppose that 10 million people envision it equally well and all win the lottery. Result, we'd each win $1. Again, no value added and not even a lot of income redistribution because we only got $1. And if you were the first to have the secret, maybe you'd hoard it to avoid scenario number two, which is exactly what the secret claims. The 5% knowledgeable did to keep the other 95% from finding out. Here's another thing, though. If me getting mine means you don't get yours... That's not much of a spiritual principle either. This willingness to engage in what I call zero-sum self-aggrandizement puts the secret smack in the middle of a grand American tradition. Helping people by giving them some good tools, promising to help them get rich, and letting them pay well for the privilege of trying. All right? Furthermore, here's the biggest problem I have with the secret. 1,700 times the Bible uses the word sin and talks about the fact that we have, you know, problems even figuring out what's good. We need an objective standard to tell us what is really good for us. Someone higher than us. So, here's a problem. 
The proponents of the secret never consider who the you is that they are empowering with this magic genie. Is it the you that wants the Big Mac and fries for lunch or the you that knows the chopped salad is better? Is it the you that constantly desires more and more clothes, shoes, handbags, books, CDs, and is never satisfied? Is it the you that wants to sleep with every cute co-ed that walks by or the you that nurtures the marriage? Let's get even darker. The presenters believe and insist that you should believe in this magic cosmic genie granting all your wishes. What about the pedophile who really wants the young boys and girls to abuse? What about the terrorist leader who is very clear on his desire for a nuclear weapon? What about the depressed teenager who really wants his annoying parents to disappear? Do the makers of the secret unconsciously assume that everyone will only want good things? And who defines what is good? Does the universe define what is good? Do I define what is good? If I desire something and I begin to go after it and focus on it and envision it like the secret tells me, how do I know that's really good for me? What if it's not really good for me? And here's the other thing. The secret never explores the fact that what if it's good for me, but what if, if my getting that is not good for you? And how does that affect everybody else around us? Okay? In other words, what is good for me might negatively affect you. So, where does that all fit in? How does that resolve? They never talk about that. They never talk about sin. They never talk about the devil, because if you watched on Oprah, when they were on Oprah, they actually deny the existence of the devil. And they also claim on Oprah that Jesus Christ is not God, which I have a problem with. So, I think, again, you can begin to see enough of where they're coming from as the proponents of this, I would throw up some red flags and go, I agree with some of their principles. Some of their principles are taught in the Bible, and I would agree with that, but I think they go way beyond that. Uh, and it can get very, very dangerous. Uh, in fact, I'm going to enter into some scripture now, and then I want to stop for a moment after I read this scripture passage to see what questions or comments you may have. If you have your Bibles and you want to turn there, 1 Timothy chapter 6. Because, and this might not be true, because I had a lot of people who were into the secret in the morning hour, the 11.30 hour where I did this, and they kept saying, but I'm not in it to gain anything financially. I'm not in it to gain anything financially. I'm like, that's okay. But you've got to understand, everybody that I've talked to who's into the secret, they've admitted to me that the reason they're into the secret is for financial gain. They're in it to get more out of life, okay, from a material, financial point of view. And again, I think that's, pretty clear that that's where they think a lot of people are coming from anyway when they call their call people genies. So anyway, here's, here's one of the things that I think the Bible talks about that we've got to be careful about. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, the very last chapter of 1 Timothy, here's what Paul writes. Now, godliness combined with contentment brings great profit. For we have brought nothing into this world, and so we cannot take a single thing out either. But if we have food and shelter, we should be satisfied with that. Those who long to be rich, however, stumble into temptation and a trap and many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all evils. Some people in reaching for it have strayed from the faith and stabbed themselves with many pains. 
think that's pretty clear. Now, again, the Bible doesn't say it's wrong to have things. The Bible doesn't say it's wrong to be wealthy or to be rich. The Bible simply says that that should not be the focus of our life. That the focus of our life should be a relationship with God. And if we get those things, great, but that's not where our contentment should come from. And we shouldn't keep striving for those things to think, to think that in those things, that's where we're going to find the meaning of life. Um, in fact, the book of Ecclesiastes says man is never satisfied. You, man says, if I get this, I'll be satisfied. And then he gets that and finds out that's not really what life was all about. It's called deferred gratification. It starts way back in elementary school when we're in elementary school and all we can think about is life's going to be whole whenever I get to junior high. And then I get to junior high and all I can think about is, oh, life's going to be great whenever I get to high school. That's when life's going to be great. And then I get to high school and as soon as I get to high school, I start thinking about life's going to be good when I get that driver's license and I can drive that car and we get our driver's license. And then, you know what? Life will be really good when I get to college. And we get to college. And then it's life will be good when I graduate from college. And life will be good if I get married. And life will be good when I get my own home. And you understand. So that I even run into people who, I thought life was good when I retired. It's not. You know, it's like they live their whole life for that one next thing. That that's what's going to make me happy. And they get there and it's like, no. Because that's not where we find our contentment and all of that. All right. I have some other stuff I'd like to share, but just based upon what you've heard or maybe even your own experience with the secret, obviously you can come in here and totally disagree with everything I'm saying. The forum is yours. It's open. Would you like to ask any questions or make any comments at this point? Yes. I come from a work environment and learn channels and they like literally keep the secret. So like every time I walk over my restaurant, I'm gonna live here forever. And I'm like, okay, dude, this is like the fifty thing you told me to do whatever you know. Why am I gonna start getting to this? And like I don't know how to address it when he tells me it's because I'm manifesting Max L P Evo. And I, I it's very difficult for me to like I don't know what to say or come back with that because they live during the sleep and breathe it. So when bad stuff is happening to you, they just love it. They're, to me, they use it as an excuse. Oh, well, you're manifesting that. Oh, yeah, because I get up in the morning and I think, okay, today I'm going to have a crappy day at work. Right. No. <laughs> That's how I start, you know. But they, but then they just, like you said, the negative part of it or whatever, they, I, the word you used in there was great because you just said it, when it doesn't happen, it's your fault it's happening. Yeah, in fact, I'm going to even touch on that a little bit more because one of the things that really brought a firestorm last week or the week before was one of the proponents of The Secret was on Larry King. I don't know whether you heard about this. And Larry King point blank asked them, so you're telling me that people who throw off a negative energy are attracting that back to them. So are you telling me that those 32 people that were murdered at Virginia Tech, and, they, and he said, yeah, they brought that on themselves. They threw out negative energy, and that's why they got murdered. That caused a lot of, that, that's causing a lot of issues. But if I will say this, I commend that guy for being consistent, because that, that is what they teach. And I want to get into that a little bit more, because to me, that's one of the big dangers of the secret is that it doesn't take into consideration that there are external systems out there that, okay, sometimes I make a dumb choice. And I suffer the consequences because I made a dumb choice. But there are some times in life where I suffer and I go through something that is totally not my doing. 
It, it has something to do with other things. And the Bible even talks about that. So again, that would contradict the Bible. And I think that's really something that even people who are semi into the secret, when they begin to hear stuff like that, they have a, they have a hard time swallowing that one. In fact, I had several people here this morning in the 1130 hour who have a hard time swallowing that part of it. They say, you know, I, I, you're right. I, I, some of the principles, you know, I, I'm willing to, to say, you know, I'm willing to live with that, but that's going way too far when they make those kind of claims. Yeah. Yes. I just wanted to make a comment, but don't you think that the whole premise of the secret is about living a positive life and that if you have this positive attitude that you, in fact, will change your life? It doesn't... I don't think that, um, um, you know, if we, if we go out there, I mean, I, I've read the book, and that's what I, I, I see. Mm-hmm. You live in the moment, and you live in a positive moment. And that if, you're, if I'm in a positive mood, my positive mood is going to affect you. Mm-hmm. So. But, but I guess my point is that life is life. Life isn't always going to be positive, no matter how positive I am. How do I, how do I deal with that? But I think that in every, every aspect of our life where something dreadful or horrible happens to us, um, what's the old adage? There's a silver lining in every mm-hmm. I mean, it's a learning experience. Obviously, life is going to be a learning experience because we're human beings. Right. Right. And I said, up front, there are some things in the secret I have no problem with. But I think that there's a lot of things for me, okay, and again, you've got to understand, I'm coming at it that the Bible is my authority, not some other book. And when it, when it doesn't line up with what the Bible says, I'm going to have a problem with it, okay? Uh, it's like anything. I'm going to take the things out of something that I, that I think line up with that, but that's going to be my standard. If it doesn't line up with that, then those parts I'm going to, I'm going to throw away and reject. And I just think we've got to be critical about that kind of stuff. Just like I said, up front when they make all these claims that they never prove, I have a problem with that. Don't claim something in the DVD that you can't bring any historical proof at. I just have a problem with that. I think that that's looking at things from a critical eye. And like I said, too many people just assume they said it. It must be true. Um, Give me some proof. Give me some proof. But no, I agree with the positive thing. I think... We need, to be, we need to be positive. But I think they go beyond that, myself. Any other? Yes? I, I also, my limited uh, uh, understanding of it is that, um, like somebody said, is throwing out the positive energy. I think that the only thing I've, I've made the adjustment in my life is that I understand that it's not just the random universe that's providing this abundance or the abundance I'm asking for, but rather that it is God that has provided that abundance for me. I need to appreciate the right person or the right entity. I think they're in there, they kind of claim the universe and just throw it out into the universe. But I think it's if I pray and I honor God that he provides that abundance. He would be willing to be right in the Bible. Mm -hmm. So you have to just be careful to think of who you're being thankful to. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I think um, one of the problems with the secret is people that are reading the secret don't have God as foundation first. When I read the secret, I loved it. And I took, when they mentioned the secret, they'll say, have gratitude in the morning, every morning, start your morning with gratitude. I took that as start your morning, every morning with God, thanking God for what you already have. 
Then they talk about thoughts, 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 great things. Prayer, 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 and your prayers will be answered. And then I took it as, um, then they say, believe that your thoughts will come true. That's faith that your prayers will be answered. So when I watched it, already knowing God, I loved the secret. I thought it was, I looked at it very different. I looked at it as, obviously, it's a mass marketing thing where they have to call God the universe because they wouldn't have sold it. They call it Jesus, <laughs> you know, or whatever. So I think the problem is the people that are probably looking at it, they don't have that foundation that we already have. Mm-hmm. So they're going to. Right. Well, I'm going to get into some of the negative things that I'm seeing, and and not just me, but even in the counseling world that are the negative backlashes of of some of this. Yes. I don't know, and it's hard to get to the background of that. In fact, Rhonda Byrne, okay, out out of all the people in the world, millions of people in the world, supposedly this Australian woman rediscovered this secret when her child gave her this hundred year old book and Wow, there's the secret. The problem I have with that is if you read the secret, there's nothing new in there. That is old books that's just been repackaged. If you read back in the 40s and 50s, there was a book that came out by a guy by the name of Napoleon Hill called Think and Grow Rich. There was another book by Norman Vincent Peale called The Power of Positive Thinking. The the principles in those books are the same as the principles in the secret. It's just repackaged. It's the same stuff. It's just the same stuff. So it's not like this secret has been hidden all these years and all of a sudden we found the secret and now we're giving you something new. I'm telling you, this is stuff that I've read for years that other people have proposed as well. It's just being repackaged in a more modern form. But they never answer the question. I've never got the answer. What was the book? How did the daughter find it? How of all these people in the world did, yeah, out of this book, did this book inspire you and all this? You can't get beyond, at least I haven't been able to get beyond, the daughter gave her the book, the book was about 100 years old, and it was through this book that she found the secret. That's as far as I've been able to get. So, I don't know. I don't know. I guess the question that comes to my mind that Napoleon Hill talked about the same stuff. I don't think... I don't remember my church ever having classes against the Holy Hill to understand it. Why are we having these discussions now? Well, I, I, don't, I don't think it's a matter of we didn't. Uh, I would just say that, that any church worth its salt is going to preach the truth of God's Word. And any time in our culture we have things that come up that we feel deviates from that, it's our responsibility to teach what the truth is. Um, and that, you know, there's always been that what I call prosperity gospel out there which says you know you give to God and he'll give back to you and all of that kind of stuff and you know I I just believe the Bible teaches differently that there's sometimes in fact the greatest lessons we learn in life sometimes are when we go through suffering and sometimes when we go through pain our character is strengthened more than at any other time when we're having good times and uh, you know you talk to people who were born with uh, physical disabilities like Chris Simning who's around Cornerstone here and has a disability they don't have for the rest of his life, he's touching people because of his disability, not, you know, in spite of that. So, I, you know, I, I reject the fact that sometimes suffering uh, is a good thing, and I, I don't want to ever, you know, get to the point in my life where I think I know what's best for me and where I always want to be healthy, because maybe sometimes when I'm sick, I'm learning a lesson that I can only learn when I'm ill and I'm sick. Um, 
So that's where I have a struggle with it. For instance, I mean, they would say that if I manifest enough positive thoughts, I won't get sick. If you carry that out to the nth degree, and I've talked to proponents of the secret about this, and I've pressed them on it, and they won't deny it, I say, well, if you're positive enough then for the rest of your life, then you'll never die, right? Because you'll never have any kind of illness come into your life that's going to take your life because you're never going to get sick, right? I mean, that's really where you're going with this. And they would not deny that that's what they believe. My Bible tells me we're going to die no matter how positive we are. I mean, all these people who supposedly knew about the secret in history, Edison, Napoleon, they all died. We all can go to their graves. So I don't care how positive I am. There's still certain realities because we're, we're in God's world. And God has set up the boundaries, if you will. And I have to go by what the Bible says, not by, you know, again, positive is good. And like you were saying, even in the midst of suffering, Positive can be a good thing. The Bible says, a merry heart's like good medicine. No doubt about that. But how far do I take that positiveness? You know, Do I deny then the reality that I'm going to ever get sick and I'm going to die and all this kind of stuff? How far do we go with that? Yes? Well, I haven't really read the book or saw the book either, but I have seen it on Oprah. You know, my wife is on the and, um, <laughs> but the thing is, there, I do agree with some of the things that they are saying, but I disagree about a lot of it in the way that they're explaining it. And I, I keep hearing this word about the positive. That's something that I, I like to, is, uh, is always to take positive. Mm-hmm. Positive is a big word, and, and it's also got a, mean, a lot of meaning to it. If you give positive energy to another person, I mean, it is actually you open up the door and something for a person, boom, that, that guy, you know, really didn't expect that. Right. You know? And here he is, somebody walking behind him, and boom, that's positive. Right. Yeah, the negative, you see the guy coming up, boom, <laughs> that's negative, and you're going to give back negative. Right. And the positive, and, and the money aspect of being positive, you know, you know, you always be positive, you always speak to everybody. You never look at anybody as a color. I'm a black man, but people don't see me as a color because I treat everybody equally. Right. And I'm always speaking to people. You never know who I'm speaking or saying hi to. So that person might, you know, help me on down the line. Mm-hmm. I could be broke down on the side of the road. That person comes driving down the highway. Oh, that's that guy who opened the door for me. Right. But this time he stops because I showed him positive right there, you know, because... It was out of the blue, you know. He wasn't expecting that from me. See, the book is, I think, the on the right path, but the wording on it, the words they use, have these people that really need this, this wording don't understand the words that they're saying because they're too big. They need a, a dang dictionary. And it's, it's, it's just the way that the wording is. And mm-hmm. they might be on the right path. I believe they are, but it's just the way that the, they need to... It needs to be written. Right. Well, and let me say, too, from a Christian perspective, and, and if you have your Bibles, I'd just like to turn to another passage. This will be the last one I turn to tonight as far as the Bible goes. In Colossians chapter 2, my point is, from my perspective, and again, you know I'm a pastor. I'm going to come at this from a biblical Christian perspective. If there was something that I needed to know to navigate this life, Jesus has already told me about it. 
I didn't need somebody to come along in 2006 or 2007 and tell me about something that Jesus hadn't already told me about. It attacks to me, okay, the sufficiency of the Scriptures and the sufficiency of Christ. Because my Bible tells me that Jesus Christ is sufficient. I don't need Jesus Christ plus the secret. I don't need Jesus Christ plus anything. The Bible tells me it's Jesus Christ plus nothing. He is absolutely sufficient for everything. And here's why. In the book of Colossians, it says here, beginning in chapter 2, I'm just going to start with verse 1. For I want you to know, Paul says, how great a struggle I have for you and for those in Laodicea and for those who have not met me face to face. My goal is that their hearts, having been knit together in love, may be encouraged and that they may have all the riches that assurance brings and their understanding of the knowledge of the mystery of God or the secret of God. And who's the secret of God? The end of verse 2, Christ. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ. I say this so that no one will deceive you through arguments that sound reasonable. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your morale and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in your lives in him, rooted and built up in him and firm in your faith, just as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. We're taught to be thankful. Be careful not to allow anyone to captivate you through an empty, deceitful philosophy that is according to human traditions and the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. For in him, Jesus Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. And here's the key verse in the last one, verse 10. And you are complete in him. You're complete. I don't need anything else. I have Jesus Christ. He gives me everything I need. If I need wisdom, all the wisdom of God is in Christ. I need knowledge, all the knowledge of God is in Christ. And all I'm saying is, down through history, Jesus Christ claimed thousands of years ago when He was here, I'm all you need. I'm all you need. And all I'm saying is, just be careful. Again, it's okay for Christians to take principles out of the secret but don't primarily look to the secret. Look to Christ. Look to Christ. Yes. There are, more, there are two books that, from a, me from a Christian perspective, answer what the secret is trying to answer. Trying to answer from a secular perspective. Wayne Dwyer is a Christian who writes Howard and Tenzin and he wanted to write in a positively example is there. Pastor Joel Osteen is the same way in his message of looking for the positive ways and the ways that God teaches us to have that in our lives. Mm-hmm. I agree with you that it kind of makes a left turn. I bought the book, I read it in less than 24 hours, and I returned it almost out of sheer fear. It was a very odd thing, but. I personally think it was the Holy Spirit that said, okay, you read it? The source is sitting right next to your bed. You don't need it. Hmm. So that's the Bible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, real quick, here's the problem we're having in counseling. One of the uh, organizations I'm a part of is called the American Association of Christian Counselors. 
We are a nationwide network of professional counselors who network with each other and talk with each other. And one of the problems we're seeing with this, the, the, some of the fallout from this uh, is dealing with people in our counseling who are literally to the point of, to them, and again, maybe they're taking it wrong, okay, from your perspective, but they're becoming actually more guilty because things aren't turning out the way they want them to in their life and they are blaming themselves and they feel like that's what the secret is teaching me. For instance, I'm all for empowerment. I'm for self-respect. I'm for teaching about responsibility and opportunity that helps people free themselves from traps of perpetual servitude, economic, political, sexual, or psychological. But I believe the secret teaches that all our problems are ultimately our fault as the flip side to its message that you can have whatever you want. And I believe this is so damaging to so many who have been hurt and oppressed and could do nothing to prevent it. They insist that all suffering is due to negative thinking, denying any effect of the complex mix and influences of external systems. So you have a person who they're saying, if you just believe it and you're positive enough, you can change things. And maybe some negative things and still are happening in their life. And guess what? They're, they're more guilty now. They, they're struggling with more guilt and more angst and more anxiety because they're really trying to employ the principles that they feel this book is teaching. And we're seeing the flip side that we've even dealing with people who are suicidal because I bought into this. I, I, I'm trying to do this and my life is it's not getting any better. And, and it must be because I'm just not thinking positively enough. I'm not doing something right. And they're putting all this pressure on themselves and all this guilt on themselves and it's causing a lot of problems and that's where I'm saying we've got to be careful with this kind of stuff somebody had a hand up over here yeah Jill <laughs> well I just wanted to know if you saw a lot of similarities between um, the secret and Scientology because it seems like it's all about control taking control with your own hands and you know not basically the you know the core of Christianity taking up control of God but it just seems to be all about well, I, I will say this, and I mentioned this this morning. We're living in a postmodern world. And what you're finding today are belief systems that cross over any kind of denominational religious faith lines because they're trying to unite the world around something. So there is what we call in philosophy a, a lot of syncretism, meaning that people are saying, I like a little bit of that religion, and but I don't like all of it, and I like a little bit of this, so I'm going to bring that into my belief system, and I'm going to put a little bit of this, and it's sort of like what I, and I realize I'm dating myself here, it's sort of like what I call the Burger King religion, have it your way, where you go through a buffet line, and you pick out the things that you like from every religion, and every faith, and everything, and you sort of form your own belief system. That is called syncretism, and that is the most popular, because it, it crosses over any kind of, you know, Muslims can believe in the secret and Christians can believe in the secret and Buddhists can believe in the secret or anything like that. Forget the secret. Anything that can cross over to where it's so much, it's like it can unite anybody from every different faith and belief system and we can all believe in this. Yeah, that, that's sort of where you can, you can go with that. So it probably has maybe a little bit of Scientology in there, but it's got some things of other things too. Yeah. Yes. I think it all comes down to the accounting of her Because, you know, like this lady was saying, that because she felt comfortable with her faith, that she interpreted it as different than somebody who has no faith at all, and took it in as, like, you know, totally 
know, listen, you know, like, oh, I have to, you know, this is what it says. It's all how you interpret it. You know, and like this lady on the screen was saying, too, is that, you know, she was totally, you know, involved with her faith and, and, and saw the Bible as, as her option of what she wanted to put her faith and belief in. Mm-hmm. I think if you can take things, you know, like, I mean, when, the way, what I got, I've never read the book or seen the video either, but I think what I got from what people are saying from it is, you know, the positive things that they're trying to say. I mean, the lady, she, it seems like before she came up, like when she got the book from her daughter, you know, she was soul searching. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she had to come up with her personal, what am I doing here on earth? And what is it that I'm trying to accomplish? And that was like her sole purpose of trying to investigate and find out what she needed to write about this book. And I think that people, I, I don't know if these other people that were on there were helped write the book, or, you know, if, if it was just her, I'm not sure. But, you know, it just seems to me that these people that are talking about it, right, might be the wrong people who are interpreting it, what she was trying to accomplish. And I don't know, I think it's kind of wrong for her to kind of let this idea get so far as to, you know, letting them speak because they're considered what she said, these are experts and I'm not the expert. I'm just going by, you know, what I put my faith and belief into and who I was. You know, and she's just trying to voice that and have other people feel the same type of feeling mm-hmm. that she was having. Right. And maybe it's just well, the the only thing I'll I'll answer that is I agree with everything you said. The thing is that the people who are out there, at least on national television, like on Larry King and Oprah and Ellen and all these shows, they are people that are on her website that she promotes. She, if you look on there, what that website, there's her, and then there's a, a group of about ten men and women on the left hand side there that are all considered sort of her spokespeople. Uh, her proponents of this, that she says, yeah, you, you listen to them. I mean, she's, in other words, endorsing them, and they are the people that's making some of these claims. Are those the people on the video? Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, they haven't made any money off of this. Wow, let's, let's just, let's go back to the back. Craig, and then I'm going to come to Gus. Yeah. Point is that, uh, I, I did watch the movie and a lot of the accomplishments in that part are great for the
Yeah. It can be used as a tool, but I think that, yeah, in the long hand, absolutely. You know, so a lot of times, the people that aren't coming to church anyway and aren't looking at the Bible anyway, they're just looking for something that is anti Christian or anti God as their way of trying to fill that feeling that God is supposed to be. Yeah. Somebody else. Jill. Um, what, what is the belief then for, like, um, you know, kids that, that are, are born, you know, with a disease or, you know, or autism or I mean, is it the mother that has bad energy to the child? <laughs> what, what is it then, you know, how those are? Right. I mean, I, that's the piece that I don't understand. Well, again, that gets into metaphysics. And obviously, I have problems with metaphysics. Uh, I think, again, there's a lot in the metaphysical realm and New Age philosophy that contradicts the Bible. Uh, most metaphysical people believe uh, that you and I, and I realize there's problems with this, okay? Don't, don't look at me strange. Um, that we actually picked who our parents were going to be, where we were going to be born, and all that. that we, we've always existed, okay? We, we were, we're eternal like God. We didn't start becoming into existence when we were physically born. That we have always existed as this eternal spirit and that we had that blocked out, though, when we were born. So we don't know what our previous you know, existence was like in that, that world there. My point is, though, I deal with a lot of people that, to me, they would have never picked the parents that they had. They would have <laughs> never picked where they were born. I would have never picked where I was born, Okay. I'd have picked, I'd, I'd have been picked on some Caribbean island or something, you know. I, I would not have picked, so, you know, that, that just even logically, I, but, you know, I don't know where, the, where maybe a metaphysical thing where somehow something happened in that life before this life, which is what, you know, obviously I believe the Bible disagrees with that, that we, we be, came into existence when we were born, but we did not exist before that. Uh, on the other side of that same, same question, though, I, I don't know if it's biblical or not, but I've heard the term "sin spills." If I if I'm causing if I if I'm causing or creating it or I'm, I'm sinning, mm-hmm. it can pour into my family's life. Oh yeah. And I, I personally believe I've experienced that. And when I stop, so so this whole thing about having a child that's ill. Well, if you if you I mean it is possible that let's say you do something wrong that creates this this problem or sin spill over into your unborn child. I mean, it is possible. Well, certainly sin... If, in, if, in my, if what I'm saying is correct as far as sin, sin spilling, then it is a biblical truth. Well, again, we have to be careful. The Bible does say we, didn't, we don't sin in a vacuum. So our sin always affects people around us. But in the Bible, there's even a story about a man born blind. And the disciples say, Jesus, who sinned? His parents or what? That he was born blind. And Jesus said... Nobody sinned. He was just born blind. So again, you have to be careful that you balance Scripture with Scripture and realize that sometimes the consequences that happen to people are because of the choices other people make or we made. But like there, if a baby is born and it's a crack baby and the parents were on cocaine or something and it's born with some kind of defect, obviously that was a sin-spilling issue. That's obvious. They took drugs while they were pregnant. The baby is born with some kind of defect that people say, you know, don't do drugs when you're pregnant. You could have deformed, you know, babies or something. That's certainly an illustration of that. But not every physical defect that people are born with is due to the sin of parents or somebody else. There's that balance in Scripture. Yeah. The other thing I want to just mention, we'll wrap it up here, it's almost 6 o'clock, is this whole thing that I believe that 
life is full of choices, and we make trade-offs in life. We can't have it all, do it all, or be it all. There's always a trade-off. The Bible talks about Jesus said, you can't love me totally and love money. You can't go after me 100% and then go after money 100%. You've got to focus your life and realize that there's trade-offs. That's why I say, for instance, I'm just going to use this example. A husband who totally pours his life into his work, guess what's going to get lost in that? His relationship to his wife is going to be hurting a little bit and his relationship with his kids. You can't have it all. You can't in life say, I'm going to totally focus my energy over here and I'm going to climb the corporate ladder and I'm going to work 70 hours a week over here. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to be a good husband and a good father too. No, there's trade-offs. So I understand that this is the way life is. Whatever I go after, I have to realize I'm not going to have it all. I'm going to make trade-offs. Whatever I choose to go after, I'm going to have to give up something else along the way. That's just the way life is. That's the way God created it. I'm not going to get to a point where I can just go after that and, and there's, there's no trade-offs in life. There is trade-offs in life. That's just reality of life. No matter, and that's why Jesus said in Matthew 6.33, so here's the key. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all those other things, they'll take care of themselves. That should be our focus. Seek first the kingdom of God and all those other things will take care of themselves. So, that's where I think the Bible comes from and where we need to be careful. And I, I certainly appreciate the spirit here and I did this morning. I, again, I think what's cool is I had several people who were here this morning who were really into the secret and they came up and, and said thank you for this because they said there's dialogue here. That's the way it should be. We should be talking about these things. And, and even if we disagree to disagree agreeably and get things out on the table and say, hey, what do you think? What do I think? That's what's cool. Again, God says, you know, use your minds. You know, let's reason together. Let's think about these things. Let's not just, you know... As we've all probably talked about, we need to use that discernment that God, through His Holy Spirit, can give us. And that's what's really cool. One or two other questions or comments, and then we'll wrap it up. Yes, Adriana. This is on the same line of what we're talking about, but I have a friend that went through a difficult time and had some self-esteem issues and some um, just life experiences that terribly hard time uh, thinking positively of herself. And she didn't have a Christian um, faith growing up. Um, she was very much turned on to the secret because it was all about positive thinking. And one of the things that she had a problem with being with the Christian faith is the fact that it's, I'm such a sinner, I'm so bad. I know as a Christian that it comes back to you, and I know that personally me that the truth of the Bible. But I guess as a counselor and in your experience, how do you respond to people like that who, who do go after these positive thinking books and such forth because they have Mm -hmm. Well, again, I think if people really knew the truth of the Bible, they would have never reacted that way. And hey, I'll be the first to admit, there's some, there's some people out there who don't handle the Bible correctly. And the Bible in the wrong hands can be just as wicked a tool as the Bible in the right hands can be a good tool. Does the Bible teach we're sinners? Yeah. But then the Bible also teaches the flip side, that through Christ we're totally forgiven. And in Romans 8.1... There's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. God's never going to throw any sin up in our face ever again. So, you know, 
the, the, the concept of sin is supposed to drive us to God, not drive us away from God. Let him take care of the sin issue. And then there's, there's no more, you know, having to feel unforgiven and feel this guilt and stuff that, that I carry around because I don't have Christ. It's, it's handling the Bible, I think, in the, in the right way. In fact, um, I put here just to, in closing, why the appeal of things like this? Well, first of all, I think there's a lot of pain out there. Uh, I think people don't embrace something new unless what they currently have is inadequate. I mean, if, if their life is good, why go after something that supposedly is, is this new thing coming down the pike that may turn my life around? So it shows us as pastors and counselors how many people out there really aren't satisfied with their life. They really are hurting people. They're still searching and looking for something because they haven't got to that point in their life where they just feel good about their life and where they are in life. And then I think the second part of that is people want to be in control and they want to run their lives and they want to be spiritual, but it's spiritual strictly on their own terms rather than on God's terms. And so that appeals to them too. I can be in control. Instead of like, we believe, let God be in control. He knows best. I don't always know what's best for me. I'm limited. I'm human. I don't see the big picture. All I see is my little life and how it affects a few people around me. God sees everybody and everything. He's got the perfect perspective. He's got all the wisdom and all the knowledge. So I'm going to defer to him because he knows a lot more than I do about it. So that's where sometimes, again, I think it's cool. I take all the pressure of making those decisions out of my hands and leave them in God's hands and let God lead me because I don't always know what's best. I don't always know what's best. But again, I understand that. We, we have control issues today. And those control issues actually are only going to get worse. And the Bible predicts this in prophecy. That's why after 9-11, all that did was make people more insecure. And since then, people are still insecure. The number one thing the Bible says it's going to be the issue in the end times is security. And what do we see today? That's the number one thing. People are just I want to be secure. I want to feel secure. I want to have some stability in my life. Where do I go to get that security? You know, and they're looking for that because after things like 9-11 and whatever, it's like, whoa, you know, even in America, we can we can be touched by that stuff. So people are searching and it's cool because it's allowing us a platform that if they're interested and again, we don't shove it down their throat, but if they're interested, hey, I'd like to tell you about Jesus. Yeah, I think. He's pretty cool, and he's done a great job in my life. I'd like to share him with you. But yeah, it's good. Where does it say that in the Bible? You said about insecurity in the family. Let me. That's in Daniel. Yeah, it's in the book of Daniel as part of the prophecy of the end times. Yeah, um, knowledge will increase, technology will increase, and people will run to and fro. Um, I want to say Daniel chapter twelve, the last chapter of Daniel. Yeah, good book. Guys, you've been terrific, and I appreciate it. Let's close in a word of prayer. Lord, thank you so much for uh, everyone that come out this afternoon. And Lord, just thank you for working in our lives and bringing us to this place in our lives. And Lord, for all of us, uh, we just want the most out of life. We want to live every day to the fullest, and we want to get the most out of every day. And so, Father, I just pray that you would just be with us and guide us and direct us so that, Father, we could get the most out of every day of life experience and just 
take each day as it comes and live each day to the fullest. And thank you for this discussion this afternoon and for the way, Lord, we, we dealt with this and Lord, for the spirit that was in this room that all of us don't maybe see totally eye to eye on this, but Lord, we can agree to disagree and do it in a Christ-like manner. Lord, thank you uh, for, for giving us a mind that we can process stuff and think about stuff and look at stuff critically and, and evaluate stuff and discern things. And help us as we move through life to continue to do that. Um, and just be with us as we go home this evening. Take us all home safely. And Lord, give us a good week, we pray, as we bump into people. And hopefully we can be an encouragement to them. And we can be a positive influence in their life. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. Have a good week.